Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The world is full of things waiting to happen. That's the meat and bone of it right there. You might think you can just go here and there doing nothing, happening nothing. You can't though, you're bleeding calm. You put yourself on any road and something will show itself to you. Wanting to happen, waiting to happen. Welcome to the Curiously Specific Book Club, the podcast that's curiously specific about dates and locations in well-known books. Every episode, we take a book out for a walk into the wild to see whether the real world matches up with the world of fiction. I'm Tim Wright. I'm a digital writer and a producer of immersive fiction. I'm Lloyd Shepard. I'm a novelist and a digital producer. And this week, we're going off to Kent, your, your stomping ground. My stomping ground, North Kent. And also, let's, let's remember, head of marketing, Stiggs, his stomping ground oh, as well. Oh, yes, because he lives in a dump He lives down in a there. dump on the North Downs. And uh, we're going to another part of the North Downs called the Crundle Downs. Yes, I'd never heard of that before. No, well... Uh, in the book we're talking about, it's called the Bundle Downs? It's called the Bundle Downs. And uh, the, the book is uh, Ridley Walker by Russell Hoban, and Bundle Downs is an example of something that Russell Hoban does a lot in this book, where he adapts and shifts the names of places, as he does with the language. The language itself has shifted and degraded, but also developed and yes. quite strange and because weird. Because we're in a post-apocalyptic world about two and a half thousand yeah, years well, in the future. We'll, we'll come on to that, but thousands of years in the future. The book is set entirely in, uh, in Kent. We start off in Crundle Downs, near a place called Y. Yes, which he's called How. Of course, um, <laughs> we then go from uh, we get we then go from there down to a place called Withers Dump, which yes. is actually near Withers Dane Hall. Yes, uh, we're then going to follow the railway line down to a place called Rosend Power. We're on the way to Folkestone, aren't on we? On our way to Folkestone, um, and uh, we're going to uh, end up in Folkestone by some steps and down by the harbour. But uh, on the way, we have uh, taken a bit of a detour, and we've ended, we've gone to Canterbury Cathedral. Yes, that was fun. That was really good. So we recorded, uh, we made some interesting discoveries in Canterbury Cathedral where we met the shepherds, more of which are not. You never meet the rights, do you? Uh, what do you do if you're looking for a wheel? So where are we going to start? We're going to start on the Crundle Downs. Uh, you find us sitting on a bench above the Devil's Kneading Bowl.
Trouble not. Trouble not, watcher. No trouble. <laughs> you meant to say no trouble, right? No, trouble okay, not, no trouble. No trouble. Watcher, we're here for the tell. <laughs> so you said I wasn't going to be able to do the reading because I'd go to Norfolk yeah. and it's and it's about it's Kent. It's Kent. Yeah, and you're in, a, you're a man of Kent. Aren't we're you? in Kent. I don't know if I'm a man of Kent or a Kentish man. I'm from Kent. But we are in Kent. We are high up in an area of outstanding natural beauty. The Crundle Downs. The Crundle Downs. The Crundle Downs. In, in Kent. We're looking over the town of Wye. Looking over the town of Wye. Looking for somewhere called How. And it's, we're looking over the Devil's... What? The Devil's Punch Bowl? <laughs> or is it What's the Kneading Bowl? Is the it The Devil's Kneading Bowl, that's right, which is a big... Uh, it's a big cut in, into the downs. It's, it's a big ice age. Absolutely spectacular. Ice age. So Cutting. Shall I do a reading? Please do. Walker is my name. And I am the same. Ridley Walker. Walking my riddles wherever they've took me. And walking them now on this paper the same. I don't think it makes no difference where you start the telling of a thing. You never know where it begun really. No more than you know where you begun your own self. You might know the place and day and time of day when you've been birthed. You might even know the place and day and time when you've been got. That don't mean nothing, though. You still don't know where you've begun. Ridley Walker by Russell Hoban. By Russell Hoban. Came out about 1980? About 1980. <laughs> What's this podcast called? It's called the Curiously Specific Book Club. And, and it's curious and specific about what? Dates and locations. Dates. Annoyingly specific. So it's published on the 16th of October 1980. Obviously, the, the book is not set in the 1970s. No, the book is set in an unspecified date in the future. There's a couple of clues as to roughly what date we're talking about. Roughly again. Roughly, well, roughly. he's quite roughly about it, isn't he? Because he talks about around 2000 years. Well, he From, said he's actually very specific about what the year is. He says it's 2347R count. But you don't know what that means. <laughs> When they started counting after, from, from after 19, the apocalypse. So let's just say... Let's just but it's not, though, is it? The only date in the book is there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an inscription on one of the things that's left after the apocalypse that says 1997. Yes. So it's at least 1997. Just saying it's not very specific. OK, but at least there's, you know, let's, let's stick to the, the stuff in the book rather than your rough thing in your head. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Anyway. Anyway. This book is about the, a, a world in about two and a half thousand years. Two and a half thousand now. years. There's been a, an apocalypse. A terrible nuclear accident of some sort. Well, it's not entirely clear, is it, whether it's a war or if it's something's happened that's, that's caused a nuclear explosion. Upset. Upset. But, yeah. but whatever's happened seems to have happened everywhere. Yeah, and it's bombed them back to a pre-Iron Age yes. civilization. yes. Where they've just so they're just trying to rebuild their civilization. Yes. They, they're basically it's a bunch of basically human beings now live in in forms or farms, or farms. Uh, and fences. So a bit like as we say, Iron Age forts is yeah. that they just live yeah. in these and then they and they they basically go around digging up old iron, which is basically the machines of the twentieth well, century. The government of the uh, it's, it's all set in Kent. But the government is now in Ramsgate, or the Ram, and they're trying to encourage everybody to live on farms because they want to bring control that back them. to control them. And they, they basically, the Prime Minister... The Prime Minister. And, and his assistant will go round the, the farms, basically menacing them, don't they? They, they go do. around with an army of thugs. And they they, do. they, they, they heavies, basically... Heavies. Uh, heavies. And they, 
they basically get their rent off them, their taxes. And the way they communicate government messages and propaganda... This is the weird bit. ...is, is, is via a Punch and Judy show. But they don't call it a Punch and Judy show, they call it a, a tell. Yeah. And they've got a fit-up, which is essentially a Punch and Judy... It's basically a, te- a Punch and Judy tent. Yeah, with, with hand puppets... And they, they tell the story. And, and their, their mythology is based on a character called Yusa, E-U-S-A. R- uh, Russell Hoban explains that Yusa is based on a picture in the crypt of Canterbury Cathedral of St. Eustace. Are you ready, boys and girls? Yeah. Are you ready, Mr. Punt? <laughs> Here we go, then. <laughs> Wasn't very nice, Mr. Punch. <laughs> Sit up there. Now, boys and girls, after that performance, I'm going to go downstairs and have a large gin. I mean, a cup of tea. But first, would you like to see my baby? Yeah. Oh, get the baby. Hang on a minute. I said, would you like to see my baby? Stop it. I'll get the baby. Bye bye for now. I'll say goodbye for now. Hey, stop mugging about. So if you can probably hear, we are sitting inside the, the north, the north transept, I don't know what the word is, of Canterbury Cathedral. But we're here because we found the, um, the frieze of St Eustace. We have. Which is massive. It's very big. It's basically filled up the whole of an arch that you would otherwise have a stained glass window in. Is this amazing frieze from the 15th century. Um, which is um, extraordinary. It's where Russell Hoban started his journey with Ridley Walker. How many people who stop in front of the freezers and uses do you think are Ridley Walker fans? Well, the, the, the nice, the nice older lady who um, the shepherd—they're called shepherds. The people who work. Of course, there. they are. They're not called um, rights, are they? No. Who, who, who helped me? Who helped me find it? Was uh, explaining it to me. About, apparently, it features an episode of Call the Midwife. That was her Did first you, reference. Said, well, she said, <laughs> "Not Ridley she said, um, Call the Midwife." She said, uh, "We're doing the wrong podcast." Mate. She said, "Are you here about Call the Midwife?" And I said, "No." And she goes, "Well, it was, in a, it was in an episode of Call the Midwife, and we get a lot of Call the Midwife fans looking for the freeze of St Eustace." So I said, "No, no, we're doing a book called Ridley Walker by a man called Russell Hope." And she goes, oh, "I've not read it." And walked off. <laughs> walked off. <laughs> <laughs> so. So we're, call we're the mid- in the wrong business. But I, quite, I wonder whether Call the Midwife, whoever was writing, writing that particular episode, was inspired by Ridley Walker. Uh, it's going to be quite a weird episode, isn't it? Yeah, well, we're talking reverentially because we're in the cathedral. But and, also, we've masks and we've got masks on. <laughs> so it's a bit weird. But do you want to read the bit where he... Oh, yeah. Where he Explain it. Yeah, yeah. So he's standing in front of me. He said he saw him... Eustace is all alone in the middle of the river, hoping for better times. Seeing him for the first time that day in 1974, I had a strong fellow feeling of being a person in the middle of the river hoping for better times. Uh oh. People ask me how I got from St Eustace to Ridley Walker, and all I can say is that it's a matter of being friends with your head. Mm -hmm. 
things come into the mind and wait to hook up with other things. There are places that can heighten your responses, and if you let your head go its own way, it might, with luck, make interesting connections. On March the 14th, 1974, I got lucky. Well, what, what's lovely about it, it's one of those moments that we get in this podcast, where you're standing somewhere and you're going, Russell Hoban stood here. This is where, this is where the story starts. Yeah. And it's got the little user figure in the antlers. And it's really weird, isn't it? It's a figure of the crucified Christ hanging between the antlers of a stag. Yeah. It's so weird. And it's a fundamental part of the book. And the text, the text that Abel Goodparley massively misconstrues is on the wall opposite it, yeah. the actual text. So this is where it started. This is the beginning of Ridley Walker. As I stood before the picture, there came to me the idea of a desolate England thousands of years after the destruction of civilization in a nuclear war. People would be living at an Iron Age level of technology, and such government as there was would make its policies known through itinerant puppeteers. I know it sounds strange, but that's how it was. So he was inspired. So he just so the whole story came from just staring, standing in front standing of that wall. Yeah, and off, off he went for five years. I continually allow my mind to go wherever it's going, and I just follow closely behind and see what it's doing. So that means that anything at all. I mean, make a parenthesis here. Uh, Max Ernst, the surrealist, once said that he was doing uh, a series of. Um, graphics where he used rubbings from the grain of wood and then he found that all the images that one could imagine began, began appearing to him out of the wood grain. Well, if you examine any specific, you can sit and look at a, uh, a tree or a lamp or an orange or whatever, you'll find that after a while all of your experience begins to put itself together around that and you are making the connections between them? Making connections between them and not so much making the connections uh, actively or voluntarily, simply trying to maintain a psychical clear space in which the connections will happen. So Russell Hoban, uh, originally American, born in 1925 in Pennsylvania. He actually uh, wrote a whole a series of children's books, one in America, which were illustrated by his then wife. She uh, went on to become a very successful yeah. author in her own right as Lillian, well. Lillian. Lillian Hoban, yeah. yeah. And they moved, they had four children together, and um, they, uh, they moved to London in 1969, ostensibly, according to Hoban, because he was so obsessed with kind of ghost stories of the turn of the century like M.R. James and Henry James and people like that he thought London was going to be I think he thought it was going to be like it was in a Sherlock Holmes absolutely. sort of story or something it's going to be foggy and full of foggy and full of ghosts and mysterious people but obviously yeah. he arrives at the the fag end of uh, <laughs> what of, a disappointment uh, of, of swinging 60s London you know I don't know whether this was contrib- contributed to it but he you know the marriage actually ended while they were in London and she went back to uh, America with the children. And he stayed in the UK. Stayed on his own in the UK. Yeah. But then he met another woman in a bookshop, uh, Gundula Arl. And yeah, they married. She worked, in, she worked in a bookshop, yeah. And they married in 1975. And uh, he had three uh, children with then Jake, Ben, and Veland. Now, you may have heard some rather otherworldly ethereal music playing um, during this podcast already. That music's actually composed by Veland Hoban. He's a composer now, these days, and uh, he lives in Germany.
And I had a rather nice email exchange with him, actually, saying, you know, oh, you, you, do you mind if we use your music? And he said, no, I've, I've got very fond memories of, of that book, of Russell, uh, of Ridley Walker. Well, of sitting in the back of a, a, yeah. a, a dormobile, a dormobile, being driven around Kent. Yeah. In Are a, we there yet? That's what the title of this book should have yeah. been called. Are but, we there yet? And Russell Hovind does actually say that in his afterword, you know, that he spent a lot of time in a camper van with the family driving around Kent looking, Thrilling. looking for locations, which is obviously great for them, but they've got very well, um, I'm, I'm glad he has fond memories of something like that. If I was stuffed in the back of a car on summer holidays with my two sisters or whatever yeah. and wandering around Kent, I'd be quite cross. What's wrong with Kent? What's this, this, this lingering <laughs> issue you have with Kent? I'm going to have to do something about that. But yeah, so 1969, he made, marriage falls apart. He starts working on... Uh, Ridley Walker in 1974. Yes, well, he's actually he's beautifully very very specific specific about when he started and ended this book. Yeah, he says he started it on the 14th of March 1974 yeah. on a visit to Canterbury Cathedral, and he ended it on the 5th of November 1979. So he took more than five years to write this book. And in between, he wrote another novel and called... And it was published in 1980. Yes, right, that's yeah. right. It's published yeah. in 1980. 16th of October, yeah. 1980. Um, he published another novel... He wrote another novel um, in between called Turtle Diaries, which is about a man who meets a woman in a bookshop. <laughs> and they decide to uh, break into... Um, no, to collude with a zookeeper at Regent's Park London Zoo right. and um, freeze the turtles and drive them to Cornwall and set them free on the beach. So well, actually freeze the turtles? No, no free, <laughs> liberate. I was, was going to say, that doesn't sound, liberate. This doesn't sound very good for well, you, t- turtles. Uh, well, I, I've bought a live lobster in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and at the airport had it packed in ice in a box and put on the plane as hand luggage back to London. Hmm. So you can freeze animals and... Yeah, but they're uh, not alive when you got well, there. Well, I, I didn't liberate it, <laughs> let's be fair. A, so that's, that's sort of the brief biography of, of, of Russell Hoban. And the sort of, but we like to obviously look at the context for the writing of the book. And yes, what's going on in 1980? Yeah. As, we, as I tend to do, I like to think of the world as marked out by Pink Floyd albums. Yes, which, which you, obviously you can only do with books that were written after. Well, that created a problem with uh, War, of War of the Worlds. Yeah, I was yeah. disappointed. I didn't like the book as much as it's a not, result. It's, it's not in the Pink Floyd universe. No. Um, but this one, Pink Floyd animals had come out and they were recording The Wall yeah. at about this point, which is, this, uh, this novel is, can we say, dystopian? Yeah, very much And so. I would say The Wall is dystopian. Yeah. We don't need no education. Yeah. And it is about an adolescent boy coming to terms with his father, how shit everything is, yeah. uh, and his own vision for himself of being free. It's not a bad soundtrack, actually. And at the end of it, there's an explosion. Yes. Of yes. More, of, more, yes of which, more of which. I'd not thought of that. Yeah. In terms of music generally, I would say that the, the, the prevailing... We're in a moment of transition in the 80s, do you think? We are. Because, well, in the late 70s, certainly, yeah. Well, when it comes out in 1980... We've got the Scar rev- Revolution is about taking place, the specials and madness yeah. and all that is getting very big. Um, and we're just preparing for Spandau Ballet, Duran Duran and Ant Music. <laughs> I like the way you said for preparing. Well, we're preparing <laughs> for that. So I would say it's a moment of uh, transition. Yeah. And a sign maybe the world's going a bit shit. 
Well, the thing is, he's writing the book over a five-year... I mean, the book comes out in 1980. I guess I'm more interested in what's around him while he's writing it. Yes, all right. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah, well, fair enough. I mean? Yeah, so um, he starts writing in 74. And remember, he's still a recent immigrant to England at this point. Yes, you know, and with great dreams of England being this great uh, yeah. place of adventure and spiritual power yeah. and full of history and wonderful architecture and landscapes and stuff. And he turns up almost exactly when the Labour government take power in 1974. And he writes it all the way through to basically when Margaret Thatcher takes over. Uh, So he gets through the... It's a parallel history to the the second Wilson government, right? It pretty much (laughs) is. And and which culminates in the winter of discontent. Yeah. Uh, It's all... So... Britain at this point is not in a good way. No. There's actually a quote on the Wikipedia page about the Labour government. It says here, the sense of failure is powerfully reinforced by Callaghan's term as Premier. Labour, it seemed, was incapable of positive achievements. It was unable to control inflation, unable to control the unions, unable to solve the Irish problem, unable to solve the Rhodesian question, unable to secure its proposals for Welsh and Scottish devolution, unable to reach a popular modus vivendi with the common market, unable even to maintain itself in power until it could go to the country and the date of its own choosing. It was little wonder, therefore, that Mrs Thatcher resoundingly defeated it in 1979. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got the highest unemployment since the war yeah. during this period. We've got the Yorkshire Ripper running around the place, killing people. <laughs> so we're blaming that on the, on the Labour government. <laughs> well, I'm just saying the, the the atmosphere of the place. Ian Curtis killed himself on my birthday, 1979, 1980, 1980, which uh, was quite depressing. That was my 16th birthday, bit of a downer. Yeah. And then a month after this book comes out, somebody shoots John Lennon. So it's the end of the 60s. <laughs> yeah, in terms of his vision yeah. in 1974, yeah, yeah. by the time he gets to 1980, yeah, it's it's all the St Paul's riots. In yeah. Bristol, um, the Iranian embassy siege. Yeah. You know, it's, it's... It's all falling apart, isn't it's it? It's all falling apart. Alton Towers is opened. Strange dystopian <laughs> vision. Yes. Right? And and the real nadir for me is Cliff Richard gets his MBE that year. Wow, that's just rubbing your face in it, isn't it? <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so uh, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a good picture. No, it's all, so not surprising that, it, it, it's, um, that over that period... You know, it fits in in a way, although we we like to say about this book, I think, because it took so long to write, yeah. that he started it as a 70s novel. It's got it's sort of got a feel about uh, everyone smoking dope, man, and yeah, wearing yeah. flares. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and there's a lot of stuff about visions and, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Ridley being a seer and, uh, you know... And, and English folk stuff, you know. Yeah, there's lots of songs as yeah, well. There's lots yeah, of, folk there's lots rock of, yeah. kind of thing. And it just gets, yeah, it just gets darker and darker and darker. Yeah, so and you it, do wonder whether that was a result of the kind of the world that was going on around him. But, uh, yeah, the 70s weren't great. I mean, good for music. Yeah, and, for, and I'll tell you what, 1980, cracking for film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got four films here that came out about the same time as a book. Long Good Friday. Oh, nice. Right? That's very... Yeah. Sort of dystopian, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Actually, I think if you watched Long Good Friday, you'd get a really good sense of what Britain looked like yeah. in felt that, like, or yeah. London in particular, yeah. looked like at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good period one. The Elephant Man, uh-huh. again, a, you know, about Victorian... That's full of fog and smoke. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, and then on the arty side, there's The Falls by Peter Greenway's first film, okay. which is a really great film Haven't if you've seen never seen one. it. Never seen it. And the last film I want to mention, because it's about language and... It's one of my 
favourite things to listen to as well as an album is uh, Sir Henry at Rawlinson End, Vivian Stanchel. Yeah, yeah. Which is just, again, has fantastic language in it and sort of characters and strange voices. Yeah. I'd pay quite a lot of money, I think, to get an audio book of Ridley Walker read by Vivian Stanchel. Sir Henry Rawlinson woke hot and fidgety, fuss, fuss, bother and itch. His conscious mind coming up too fast with the bends through pack ice throbbing seas. Boom sounders, blowholes, harsh croaks and blind men tip-tap talking for escape from his pressing skull. Work. With a gaseous grunt, he rolled away from the needle-cruel light acupuncturing those fogged pickle onion eyes and focused them with key-bending will on the cold trench Florrie had left on her side of the bed. You're listening to the Curiously Specific Book Club. If you'd like to get access to new episodes as soon as they come out, as well as listen to the old podcast without any ads, you need to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com. Just search for Curiously Specific. You'll also find there access to our show notes that contain all the links and the research, videos, maps, photos that we generate for each episode. You'd always be able to get this podcast for free on this feed, but uh, if you want to get it without ads and you want to get the new episode straight away, head over to Patreon and search for Curiously Specific. And please don't forget to like us and rate us on your podcast platform of choice. Now back to the podcast. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
there is, of course, quite a a big community of people who are Rust, uh, Ridley Walker yes, fans. Yes, there's lots of annotations of uh, it on the web. Because it's such an unusual book. Yeah. It's a bit like when we uh, did Rings of Saturn by Sibal. Yes. There's a lot of talking about these books. Mm-hmm. And one of them is a, uh, there's a website called errorbar.net. Actually, there's a, if you just look up uh, the Russell, Ridley Ho- Walker Russell Hoban site, it's amazing. Yeah. It's got amazing results. It has got it. loads it's of stuff It's really good. It. Yeah, yeah. But in errorbar.net, credit to, credit to whoever makes this, he or she... I'm well, it's a collection it. of people, of various people who contributed to have, it over um, years. ...have put a list of the real locations mentioned in Ridley Walker. Yeah. Now, the first thing, the first mistake they make... <laughs> is, is, is letting you read it. <laughs> yeah. ...is that they, they say that because it, this, this place where he lives, Howell Fence, yeah. they say, oh, well, that's a, that's a play on the fact that it's actually why he went to Well, why. Russell Hoban says that, though. Russell Hoban says in some one of one in the intro or something that why is how and how is why. Yeah, but that's just wordplay. That's yeah, not yeah. that's that's tomfoolery. Yeah, yeah. That's not that's not what's happening here. But we drove up from London this morning, mm. and the first thing I said when we drove into why was, "Well, this isn't how feds." <laughs> I thought we were going to have a more of an argument about yeah, yeah. it. You were, I'll be you honest. Were a bit, you were a bit. I was disappointed. a bit disappointed. Yeah, because why is down on the flat bit? It's down there. It's yeah. not up high. That's correct. And then there is a description, of course, of them walking from House yes. End yes. to their workplace. At, to, down to uh, Widder's Dump. Widders. Every day. Yeah, it got Norfolk again. Shut <laughs> <laughs> Every day. <laughs> it does say. It just went straight in there. <laughs> it does say, by the way, you can, smoke, you can see the smoke coming up in burnt arse from the outpost. There were always heavies there on rotor from the RAM. So burnt arse is over there, right? Ashford. So you should be able to see the smoke of ash. Every day we've gone the same way to and from, and every day we've seen that smoke, nor I never give it no thought. <laughs> Where am I going with this? <laughs> Sorry. Huh? You're being mean now. <laughs> Sorry. Help yourself. It says here, uh, this what I've been writing down here, it happened when I been with Howe Fence on the Bundle Downs near the River Sour, about four faggers north and east of Burnt Arse Dead Town, and about 15 faggers south and west of Cambry. Okay, very good. <laughs> so, Belknot Fist was stopping on at Widder's Dump. That same day, he put a crew to cutting timber for a new project of his. Yeah. It was going to be some kind of a working. Where they'd gone for the timber, it had been a special place of mine, where the old track sidles the high ground shoulder. It were wooded with oak there. High ground on one side of the track, and on the other it slopes off sharp towards Widder's Dump. The track runs past that holler they call Mr Clever's Rolling Place. Yeah. It was a track we always took going to and from the form. It was the shape of the ground, I like it, and the feel of it. That feeling you get on high ground, overlooking the low. Looking down from there at Widder's Dump, it seemed so low and little, it looked easy turned away from. Very good. So I think we're at Mr Clever's Rolling Place. Mr Clever's Rolling Place is clearly here, right? Which yeah. is the uh, the devil's kneading bowl. Yeah. Mr Clever is the devil in the book. Yeah. And so, I'm saying the track. So, so, so... It can't be Y, because we're looking down at Y from yeah, here. Yeah. And if you're travelling from here to go to Widder's Dump yeah. from the farm, the farm must be on the other side.
So one of the things that troubles me about this book when we're trying to be curiously specific about locations is the distances that are being talked about between the locations. Mm -hmm. Now, we've decided, and uh, Russell Hoban has confessed, that obviously the, the names in the book do relate to places in Kent. Mm -hmm. But then he doesn't decide to use kilometres or miles. He decides to come up with his own measurement of distance called faggers. The fagger. And you can hear the annoyance in my voice. Yeah. Well, there's a, little, there's a nice little... Um... My dad, he was 33 when he died. My mum, she died of the coughing sickness when I was five. This is what I've been writing down here. It happened when I'd been with Howe Fence on the Bundle Downs near the River Sour, about four faggers north and east of Burnt Ass Dead Town and about 15 faggers south and west of Cambry. Right, right. so faggers. So Burnt Ass Dead Town is Ashford. Yes. Cambry is Canterbury. Uh, Bundle Downs is Crundle Downs. Yes. So I've been looking on a map... As you tend to do, Tim. About distances. Yeah, I'm still annoyed there are no trains in this book, but okay. <laughs> There's a train line. There's a train line. I did get excited about the train line. <laughs> and um, so if we think about where we think how fences yeah. of Moor and on, yeah. and we say that it's four faggers north and east of Ashdown. Ashford. Ashford, sorry. If we say it's four, four faggers north and east of uh, Ashford, well, it's about five or six miles walk to Ashford yeah. from House Fence. Yeah. So you might think you might think that a fagger is sort of somewhere around around a mile. No, one point two, one point five yeah. miles. Yeah, yeah. But then when a he A nautical said, mile. Well you well well interesting. This all gets thrown out that it then says these fifteen faggers south and west of Cambry. Cambry, which is Canterbury. Right, well from House Fence it's um it's ten miles walk. Uh, across the Crundle Downs to uh, and up the river, so that would mean that it was that a fagger was in fact 0.6 of a mile. So one of those is wrong. <laughs> Very good. So I was. Uh, we were trying to figure. Yeah, you were trying to figure out what a fagger then could possibly be. Well, my son, yeah, who has to listen to this nonsense, he does. Yeah. He ca he came up with a very interesting idea. He said, "There's no reason why." A fagger has to be a fixed uh, physical length measurement. Um, it could just be that there are markers along the way yeah. that are called faggers, stones. We see yeah. these. There yeah. are them. They are around as you walk around. Yeah. There are these marker stones. And they're not at a regular um, distance from each other. Yeah. They're, just, they're just landmarks. So, you, so one fagger could be one mile and yeah. another fagger could be two miles. It might be in keeping with the fact that they don't actually have the technology or the understanding to measure distances. Yes. Yeah, so, so, they, so they use literally landmarks and, you know. Yeah. You know. That's, one, that's one way of thinking. Yeah, I like that it. theory, though. It's quite nice, isn't yeah. it? The other one you had was you just thought, oh, it's the time it takes to smoke a joint. Yeah, because they smoke, they smoke a lot of joints in this book. They, yeah. uh, and if you had a really... And then they would be different, because you might have a little thin one. Yeah. Or you might have a big fat carrot. Yeah, yeah. And so that, then that would be... So it's a Marley or a Richard. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That would be a great way to measure distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the time it takes different rock stars to smoke a it's joint. It's four Marleys or ten McCartneys. <laughs> oh, is he, is he got little thin He's ones? got small ones. Is that the ones they found in his bag? In, in Japan. In yeah. Japan in 1980. 1980, yeah. Yeah, you see what I've it done was, there? It was good. See what I've done. And then the other one I was thinking was that it may just be the time at which you're a bit fagged out. 
you're a bit tired. <laughs> that's a movable feast. You're a bit puffed out. So for you and me, that's what, 100 yards? <laughs> yeah, not very long. <laughs> that's one fagger. Sebastian Coe, it's 10 miles. <laughs> Sebastian Coe, 1980 again. Moscow Olympics. That's right. Yeah. So a fagger would be 1,500 metres then. Okay. Wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a movable <laughs> feast. Well, you didn't look that tired. It's a movable feast. Okay, well, that's, that is or isn't, or might be. Or not, helpful. Be, not helpful. Not <laughs> helpful. A fagger. But... Um, the reason for that conversation is that we, we think we've at, we think we actually located where Halfence actually is. One of the things that comes over in Wingspan is that uh, I got arrested in uh, Tokyo at one point later in the story um, for carrying marijuana. And we'd been told, whatever we did, don't take it into Japan. Very severe penalties. Turned out the penalty was seven years hard labor. Um, and we fully thought we weren't going to. That's fine, you know, we won't take it in. Well, for some reason, and I still can't explain, I took some in, and rather a large amount. And the, the weirdest thing that I really don't get, you know, when you look back on parts of your life, you think, was that, was I there? You know, that, because that is weird. I look back on that now, and I can see the guy opening my suitcase, and right on the top is this big, bag of grass. So we are, uh, you can hear dogs. The sound there's of the a dogs. Dog, there's a dog pack. The dog pack. Although we've... The burnt arse dog pack. We've, 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 tra- we've tracked down the source of the uh, dog, burnt arse dog pack. It's actually Wincott Kennels and Cattery. Yes, do we think this might be how fence? Well, there's a place called Folly, Folly Town, Staples Farm, and this. And it feels right, isn't it? Because it's down... It's down in a hollow that you have to walk up the road. And the way he describes coming up the road and then going past the punch, uh, the, the devil's Mr. Clever's rolling place, place. or whatever. Yeah, Mr. Clever's rolling um, place. It, it, this is how it would work. You'd come up the road through the trees and you come up onto the top of the down and you're looking down on Widder's Dump. So I like it. Well, I'm worried about that burnt ass dog pack. They seem to be getting closer. Should we walk up the road still? Yeah, let's walk up the road still. So, we'll walk, so now Ridley is walking from Howe Fence, where he lives, along the along what well, he calls it the track, but it's actually a road, down towards um, Widder's Dump. Yes. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's very good. But if you want to find it yourself, then look for uh, the Devil's Kneading Bowl. Yeah. And then look for uh, Staple Farm and Folly Town. And we think that's Howe Fence. Yeah, and I think you can... You can definitely sense a writer's imagination that if you're looking over this landscape towards Ashford and this amazing view you get from it's up here. It's beautiful, isn't it? The, if you're thinking about a, a, a place where your characters wander, this yeah. is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And it, you can, you, you know, we, we walked across the field and we tried to find a tumulus that was on the OS map. But it did feel like if there had been an apocalypse, it probably wouldn't change very much up here. Yeah, that's true. Well, there's a lot of Iron Age stuff up here yeah so uh, they found quite a lot of uh, old i think there's a lot there's quite a lot of uh, archaeology archaeology that goes on here right uh, so i think it makes sense that he's talking about if you've been bombed back to the pre-iron age yeah then you act like the pre-iron age people did yeah, yeah. and you take up the same sort of spaces yeah i think that's what's partly what he's saying yeah
So that's part one of our journey into the world of Ridley Walker completed. In part two, we'll be progressing further south. We're heading south and east towards Folkestone along the railway line. Oh, railways. You're getting excited now, aren't you? So, well, there's no there's no timetables, but there is a railway line, so Excellent. that's as good as. If you want to hear part two immediately, you need to subscribe to our Patreon feed. Just head over to patreon.com and search for Curiously Specific uh, and find out all the goodies you get if you subscribe to our Patreon account. Yes, that'll include notes and web links, our show notes, as it were, with videos and photos, so you too can go on the hunt for how fence and well, these yeah, various we'll, other locations. We'll put some maps up, right? Yeah, well, definitely, so yeah. you can find these places yourself. If you're not a subscriber, we'll see you in a week's time uh, for part two of our Ridley Walker podcast, uh, where we end up at the sea at Folkestone. Oh, yes. In a car park. Yeah, and ask a, Very sli- exciting. Ask a slightly random question. Was there a g- nest of German spies in Folkestone during the Second World War? <laughs> I, c- I can save you a lot of time here. There wasn't. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.